Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. We're actually moving into a a new message theme as of today, and that is outsiders. And outsiders is just this concept of, okay, what is God doing on the earth? What is he doing here? What is his agenda? Jesus came and he did a bunch of stuff. God has been um, on mission from day dot. And outside is the idea of outside of myself is actually my mission. Outside of these walls of this church is actually our mission. And the church isn't an entity that is just attending a service on a Sunday. We're not here just coming to worship the worship team. We're coming here to combine our faith, to join each other um, as all individually following Jesus and combining our faith and then going out into our world as missionaries into our workplace, into our families. And so this concept of outsiders is absolutely core to not just a message theme, but who we are as Christ followers, because Christ was an outsider sent to outsiders. And what we're going to do today is we're going to just look at three different stories, three different miracle moments, engagements and uh, encounters with three different people that Jesus made all in Luke 5. So you can start turning there if you've got your paper Bible, digital Bible, or the sky Bible. And uh, Luke 5 is where we're going to read three different stories, and it's going to be a chunk, but each of these is so uniquely powerful. And then after that, what we're going to engage with is how did Jesus engage outsiders in such a way that every single time he left them, there was transformation. Every time he encountered someone in some way, they left different. And it is confronting to me because sometimes in my introverted way, all I want to do is go to the store and buy the thing and leave without talking to anybody. And I leave changed, a little bit less financially, but maybe the clerk behind the desk actually needed something of the God in me. There was something that they needed and did I leave the scent of Jesus on their life? Did I leave having left transformation? And so these three stories are where we're going to live this morning. Luke chapter 5, we're going to read from 12 to 13 to start with. And it says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face to the ground, or fell his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 13, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. First story, the leper being healed. Second story, Luke 5, verses 17, one day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. 
Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to get to or take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went to the roof and lowered him on his mat through tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord began thinking, not even speaking, thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God? Jesus knowing their thoughts. Man, can't get away with anything. (laughs) Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, take up your, or get up, take up your mat and go home immediately. He stood up in front of them and he took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. First story, leper being healed. Second story, paralyzed man being healed. Third story, I'm about to say fourth, that's not good math. Luke chapter 5, verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Levi is also known as Matthew because the Greek thing back then apparently had two names. Cool. Tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Remarkable. Then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained, got to love complainers, to his disciples, not even to Jesus, to his disciples. Come on, man. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. These three stories, a man that was cleansed of leprosy, a man that was carried to Jesus, and a man that was called by Jesus. Cleansed, carried, called is title of the message. And in this narrative, this narrative of transformation as Jesus encounters each of them, what I'd want to do is just reflect on just different parts of this, different things that maybe maybe that will give us courage, because like in Joshua 1, when, Jesus, uh, when the Lord is giving a commissioning to Joshua, he sees the promise, but now he's moving into the promise. And there's this idea of be of good courage, be bold and courageous, because I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And there's this commissioning, because he knows that the presence of God is with him. We as Christ followers in the same way carry the spirit and the presence of God, but it's the knowledge of that that provides the courage and the boldness. And so we carry the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, and so let's look at how we carry him. So in this first encounter, I want to identify this, that the life in Jesus is greater than the brokenness in the world. The life that is in Jesus is greater than the brokenness in the world. About a week and a half ago, um, we had our first family bout of everyone getting sick in a single week. Looking forward to that in the future. Come on, childcare. Um, (laughs) 
But um, on, the, on the Sunday, Amanda and Lucas were feeling a little bit unwell. And when Lucas is unwell, we're all not sleeping. And so you get to about Wednesday, and uh, he's, he's um, thrown up a couple of times, all that sort of stuff. He's feeling a bit better. And then that night, things weren't right with the parents. Let's say that. Six hours overnight of just spending time close in vicinity to the bathroom, let's say that. And we found ourselves with gastro for uh, 24 hours, and it just wiped you out. And afterwards, you're reflecting on how did something so small, how did this little six-month-old give me an illness? How did this tiny little body give me a contagion that took over my body for a little bit? And it, it speaks of this contagiousness and the power of that. And in the... The, the encounter with the leper here is actually so dramatically out of the box for this time. It is like no one should be going near the leper because in the Old Testament, it defines that his uncleanness, his brokenness is actually contagious for other people. It's a state of what, I'm not sure if you're into Leviticus and all like the goodness in there, but it's the idea of clean and unclean. You, you probably get there and you're like, ah, sweet, let's turn to Matthew again. Um, <laughs> but there's this, in the Old Testament, it defines this idea of clean and unclean. And that's not a matter of sinful or not sinful. It's a matter of, are you presentable to God in this state? And it's, so it's, are you holy or are you absence of holiness? And so this idea of absence of holiness, this uncleanness, comes when they engage with certain foods, when they uh, touched uh, skin disease, when they touched dead bodies, bodily fluids or the like. And so all it was is you could not in come and approach God because of your state of uncleanness. And there was avenues for people to actually make their way clean, except when you're a leper, you can't get clean because the disease you can't get rid of it. You're so broken. There's something in your body that no one wants to be around you. No one wants to touch you. And you can't approach God because your uncleanness is contagious. But in steps Jesus. In steps God himself, the person that they want to approach. But this transitions as Jesus approaches him. And the uncleanness that he was scared of leaking on everyone, Jesus has no issue with because the life of Jesus is greater than the brokenness in the world. And what everyone else was scared of touching, Jesus had no issue with because Jesus wasn't scared of contagious brokenness because he had contagious life. He was so overwhelmingly powerful in the ways and the power of Jesus, of God, that all it took was a touch. And you see it here in verse 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. This is scandalous. This is the untouchables, and Jesus is touching them. This is the outsider. This is the person who has been ostracized socially. This is a man who does not work. He is poor. He does not have money. He is probably a beggar. This is a man that everyone else has discounted, but Jesus sees and reaches out. And the man that couldn't approach Jesus, is then Jesus approaches him. And as this, this powerful engagement of as the life of Jesus overflows, 
it engages it and it's contagious in him. And here's the kick. The life in Jesus is greater than the brokenness of the world, which means the life of Jesus in you is greater than the brokenness of the world. We can get so caught up sometimes with trying to not sin that we forget the power of God that is in us for the transformation of people around us. Jesus did not set you and come and die and raise to life for a survival life, but an abundant life. He didn't put you on Survivor, which is now on its way too many seasons. If I watched it as a child, it's, it should be finished. <laughs> he didn't put you in Survivor. He put you in abundance. He, you were a son and a daughter of the Most High. This, this idea of Joshua saying, God saying to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Remember, you're not representing yourself. You're representing the Jesus' life inside of you. So don't get overwhelmed by brokenness. Don't get discouraged by darkness. Know that the life of Jesus that is in you is greater than the brokenness in the world. And there's this understanding that as we move in, as we move into transformation encounters, that it's just, we just need to bring them to Jesus. And that's, that's our second idea here today. It doesn't matter how people come as long as it is to Jesus. It doesn't matter how people come as long as it is to Jesus. I love this. This is two-parter. This is incredible because these three stories, the first guy, the leper, sees Jesus and comes begging to him, and then Jesus approaches him. He comes to Jesus, and Jesus comes back. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Second story. The man doesn't even move. His friends bring him to Jesus. He, he does not choose to be healed even. He has no, like nothing's powerful about the paralyzed man's choices. It's the friend's choices to bring him to Jesus. The man who came to Jesus, the man who was brought to Jesus, and then Levi doesn't even do anything. He is found by Jesus. In comes Jesus out of this engagement and he finds Levi slash Matthew, just to make it confusing, and he calls him. Levi doesn't approach Jesus. Levi doesn't have friends bringing him to Jesus because he doesn't have any friends to bring him to Jesus. But still Jesus finds Levi. And it doesn't matter how they brought, whether your testimony is you came to Jesus because you heard about him and it was a miraculous moment. I know my story was probably a combination of these two being, I did come to Jesus, but it was a person that first brought me to Jesus. There was someone that chose to call out, call me out and say, why don't you come? Why don't you come and eat with me? Why don't you come and, in my case, do sound on a Friday night for youth as a teenager? There was an invitation that extended and brought me into a place where I was before Jesus and allowed Jesus to do his work on me. And it doesn't matter how you came, personally to Jesus. It's all that mattered is it was with Jesus. Because the life of Jesus is greater than the brokenness in the world. And so it's not, it doesn't matter how you bring someone or how someone comes into this place. It's this, the one idea of it is about Jesus. We're not worshiping to lift up a great chorus. We don't have lights in to engage an atmosphere. We have it so we can engage Jesus, who is the King of glory, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Life Bringer. And so we understand that it's not how you come as long as it's to Jesus, though. 
The second story, this narrative of the paralyzed man is so rich because it speaks of friends who bring people to Jesus. And, and it confronts me because it asks the question, who am I bringing to Jesus? Who are you bringing to Jesus? Do you, do you sit in a conversation with your friends and bring up the Lord? Does your conversation, you can talk about nothing, that's okay. But does it come back to bring glory to God? Do you, do you speak of what God is doing? Do you encourage one another? Are you bringing each other to Jesus in this scenario? Because it's not only about can you bring, are you bringing someone to Jesus, but do you have friends that bring you to Jesus as well? Do you, do you position yourself in a, in a circle, in, in a group of people that are so enriched by the, the vision of who Jesus is and what He can do that you are all uplifted together to a place where you come before Him, you're healed, and now you go out to see Him transform other people through you? It doesn't matter how you come, how people come, but as long as it's to Jesus, this, this idea in Acts 1, when uh, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, he drops the last words, and the Holy Spirit will come and you will be witnesses to my people in, in Judea, in, or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This word witness, it, it's, it brings to mind this court scenario where you appear before the judge and you're like, do you swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, etc., uh, etc.? Et it doesn't say, come up with a story, lie, generate something of your own accord, create a story, and then tell me about it, please, Mr. Witness. Now, it speaks of, just tell me what you've seen. Just tell me and reflect what God has done in your life. There's this idea of witness, this bringing to Jesus. It's not about bringing attention to ourselves. It's about bringing in them to Jesus, to bringing them to who He is, because the life in Jesus is greater than the brokenness in the world. And so it's not about bringing people to you. It doesn't matter your capacities, your inadequacies, your weaknesses, your hang-ups. Just bring them to Jesus. Just bring them to Jesus. Because if you leave them to you, their faith is going to be in you, not in the Lord. And as sooner or later, let's face it, you're going to disappoint them. <laughs> Except Doug, Doug doesn't disappoint people. But this idea, just, just bring them to Jesus because He is the power, He is the reflector in this redirection of attention, this reflection, this mirroring of the life of Jesus in, from our own life to His life. And so it doesn't matter how people come as long as it is to Jesus. J.M. Boyce says this, the witness must realize that he has no independent importance in himself. He must know that he is not the answer to man's problems. Jesus is. Last thing is, obviously, the keys are here now. Hey, Pete. <laughs> Identifying three things in this, these three stories is Jesus' life is greater than the brokenness in the world. We just need to bring people to Jesus. And it's this third thing, these three words that echo through verse 12, 20, and 27, is there is a seeing that Jesus has in each occasion. Verse 12, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face on the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed. It's like it is, Jesus has a vision 
that extends beyond someone's brokenness. He sees beyond the crowds because there's crowds in the room. There's crowds in the temp, like there's crowds everywhere, but he somehow always sees past the crowd to the person. He always sees past the brokenness to the redemption. And is this invitation through the Holy Spirit saying, do you see what I see? Do you see as I see? Do you walk into the, the store in full introvert mode and do you see as Jesus sees? Do you see the store clerk? Do you see the barista? Do you see your colleague? Do you see your family member? Do you see your parent? Do you see your son, your daughter, your friend? Do you see them as Jesus sees? Because I think as soon as we see as Jesus sees, everything else falls away. All the things that confront us, all the things that can uh, overwhelm our courage suddenly fall away because the urgency of the situation is so ever-present. Because if Jesus doesn't intervene, this man stays leprous. If Jesus doesn't intervene with my friend, he stays unsaved. If my, he, he doesn't intervene with this man on the mat, he remains broken. Do you see, as I see this invitation, Jesus sees people. And I think in the, in the consequence, the outworking of the life of Jesus being powerful, in the outworking of bringing people to Jesus, the action for us today is would we invite the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, open our hearts even, allow us to be broken for the things that break the heart of God and saying, God, would you open my eyes and let me see as you see? Would you see as I see? In 2 Kings 6.15, it says this story of Elisha being overwhelmed by this army in front of him. He wakes up and his servant is petrified. And Elisha is cool as a cucumber, because apparently cucumbers are really cool. And here is a man, and he goes, Elisha, we are overwhelmed. What should we do? And Elisha just prays to God, Lord, would you open his eyes to see what is already here? Verse 16 don't, of uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, it won't be on the screen. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened his eyes, and he looked and saw the multitudes of the armies around him. You might feel like a minority, but my friend, as you walk into your workplace, the majority of heaven is on your side. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.